0: But the point of my story, Yeah.
1: what did you learn? So there was obviously a lesson. Yes.
0: I never got on a horse again without checking my cinch. I never got on a horse again without being prepared to get on a horse, right? You know, having the process and making sure that I followed that process every time before I did something, don't throw myself into anything. You know, I've carried that through for the majority of my life, you know, embarrassing situation number one, right? Have a process always go through your mental checklist and go through your process so that you don't, you know, for lack of <laughs> use the use of the best word ever, like go to the shitter on it, right? Like, right. like literally, <laughs> literally
1: the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers join your host scott peckford on i love mortgage brokering hey broker nation today on the show i have jill Mullering. she's based out of edmonton alberta Been in the mortgage business for only three years however She's had very fast success with the business. In the first year she funded 47 loans, 60 in the second. This year she's on track to fund nearly 90 loans, which is very impressive for such a short period of time in the industry. This was only the second time I had a chance to chat with Jill and I would have to say she's a very bold and passionate person who's gonna continue to make waves in the mortgage industry and definitely somebody that you have to pay attention to. She shares a hilarious story on failure and the lessons learned from that and how you can apply it to our mortgage business. She shares some great advice for new mortgage brokers getting into the business about kind of support you should expect. And finally, when I pushed her, she shared an amazing elevator pitch, even though she said, I don't have an elevator pitch. And I'm like, no, eh, I disagree. You have one. It's absolutely killer when she finally shared it. I think you guys are going to love it. So check out this interview with Jill. And this is episode 300 of the Isle Mortgage Brokering podcast. And we broke over 500,000 downloads a couple of weeks ago. I think it's like 510,000 now, which is absolutely amazing. And we're making an adjustment to the way we run our show. So we're gonna have, going forward, at the end of every episode, we're gonna have an Ask the Expert segment. We're gonna bring on a different expert. We're gonna have a question or a problem for them to solve that's specific to you and your mortgage business. And then you can hear from people from different perspectives and it's a hundred percent education based. So the idea is that I'm going to have these people that are experts on different topics come in and it's going to be a short segment at the end, maybe five to seven minutes. And we'll dive in to share with you something that'll be really helpful and useful for your business. So looking forward to rolling that out in the next episode. And thanks again for checking out this episode with Jill. If you are a new mortgage broker and you're like, man, how do I get my business going? We've got a program coming for you called five steps to 5 million, go to get. Five million.com. That's get the number five million.com. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Jill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. So, <laughs> you know, I've heard you're making waves in the mortgage industry. You haven't been in the industry a long time, but you've been doing great things. And so I'm like, hey, I got to talk to Jill. I got to find out what makes her tick, how she's doing, you know, having this great success. Before we get into that, though, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Uh,
0: yeah, sure. But also, I don't really know about making waves as much as they just like. Making enemies, but well, <laughs> waves, I mean, it's
1: all the same. It doesn't matter. It's good. Yeah. Like we were talking about that pre to this, which anyways, yeah, i still love to hear. How'd you get here?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've kind of worked in a little bit of everything, you know, from accounting firms, tourism industry, you know, mobile phone provider, you know, I lived, worked abroad, but most recently when I came back to Canada, I was in oil and gas. So doing, you know, financial reporting on some major projects and things like that in the pipeline and oil and gas in the refineries and things like that. And I just really got, sick and tired of being paid for my time, right? Being paid for hours at a desk and not being paid based on my, you know, intelligence or my brain. And that I could make a lot more money per hour using my brain than I could just getting paid for physical presence. And I got really, really sick and tired of, you know, being micromanaged. You know, I think I kind of mentioned this to you before, I'm a really terrible employee. I am super insubordinate. I talk back a lot. I'm not really good at just taking direction if I don't think that something makes sense. Right. So you know, I don't like make a lot of friends with my bosses and things like that. Cause I always felt I should be the boss, you know, not be taking orders from somebody else. Right. So I just kind of got really, really sick and tired of that. You know, I have a couple of family members who are in real estate and they've been after me for quite a few years to join them on the real estate side as a realtor. And that, that never really appealed to me either. You know, you'll appreciate the irony in this. I remember saying to my mom, who's one of the realtors, that I preferred the mortgage side because first of all, I like numbers and math and personal finance. But I was like, you know, mom, you get phoned on, you know, Christmas Eve and asked to show a house and, you know, like people phone you at all hours of the day. You're working every weekend and you're driving all over the place showing houses. You know, I think I want to do something where people respect that like banking hours are Monday to Friday. And um, as we know, that's just not true at all. Right. So
1: it's not true. But realtors, I think they have a little harder in that regard in that you can put more time constraints on you can run a very successful mortgage business and not work weekends or evenings if yeah. you choose. Like I know plenty of people that do, but you're right. So you could have done real estate, decided to get into the mortgage biz. And so since you got into the mortgage business, are you okay sharing sort of how your progress has been? I know we talked about this pre-recording, but are you okay talking about like first year, second year, how you're doing? Because
0: you know, I talk uh, a lot more in file numbers. And yeah, I think file numbers is
1: more important. because Yeah, because uh, obviously yes. the
0: market that I'm in, our average file size is a little bit lower. But I was licensed in July 2018. My first six months, you know, between there and December, I actually only did, I think it was five or six files, right, in that first six months. So the first six months, I did sort of ease my way in. And this was where I was reading broker kits and learning and reading every post on Island B and, you know, Wimmy and just going through and just trying to absorb as much information as possible and then my first full year. So when I really was like, you know what? Kate? Okay, now I'm ready, like, Ging and I'm going to jump into this. It was 47 files in the first full year of 2019. And then 2020, I did 60 files last year. And then for this year, I'm probably trending to closer to that sort of, you know, 80, 90 mark, maybe a little bit more. We'll see how the fall how goes. goes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. But still, that's fantastic out of the gates growth as well as continued growth. So congrats on that. You're doing fantastic, short period of time. I have no doubt that you'll be doing, if you choose, you know, 150, 200 files a year at some point, if that's where you want to keep going. So before we dive into the rest of your story, though, can you share with me a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Because I love quotes and they're memorable, portable. And so is there one that really has impacted you?
0: Yeah, actually, you know, back in my very first job, I had one of those awesome old wooden desks with the big plastic sheet on top of it. And you'd put pictures and, you know, codes and passwords and stuff underneath that plastic sheet and the one thing that I had cut out that was a quote that I cut out of a magazine that I had in the center of my desk as a constant reminder because a job was you know there was challenges it said the path of least resistance makes all rivers and most men crooked right and that's uh, good I've
1: never heard this quote before you know what it's from
0: no idea I have no idea who wrote it it was in a magazine I just cut that out and I put that on my desk and honestly I think I followed that with most of my life you know like Anything that's worth having, anything that's good, you got to work for it. Taking the easy route isn't paying off for you, right?
1: Right. So then, okay, you think of a way you've applied this specifically to life or business, this concept of, you know, not following the easy path.
0: You well, strike I mean, this one true, thought. So right? You strike me as
1: a kind of person who is a direct person. So you're going to plow a new path and not follow the existing. Would that be an accurate statement?
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah like I'm digging my own trench for this.
1: Yeah, and river, you're like right? I don't care that it's harder, I'm going to dig a trench.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I think one of the biggest things and probably in this industry where that sort of comes into line a little bit more is, you know, with tough files or situations where you're approached where, you know, it could be really easy to, you know, lie about that client not, you know, owning 50% of the shares in that company that they're paid a salary for. You know, like there's things that could be really easy Staying true, staying honest, and it might be harder, it might be more work to get that file done the right way, but that's something that I've really, you know, that's really been very important to me from this side of things is trying to make sure that we're doing it the right way, even if it's going to take a little bit more work, right? You know, and it can be really easy to refer off a client. It can be really easy to say no to somebody because it's going to be a lot of work. I didn't do, you know, 47 files in my first year because everybody walked in with perfect credit and, you know, a boatload of cash, right? Like a lot of that stuff was a slog. I mean, some of it was even referrals off from other brokers that didn't want to deal with, you know, that mobile home purchase or that refinance on a modular, you know, acreage thing. And, you know. So digging through a lot of those harder files, like you want to get to the good stuff, you have to put the time in and the effort. And I think, you know, ultimately, just if you really want to succeed at this, you have to work for it, right? right. There's no get rich quick scheme in life in anything that we do. And knowing that it's work, right? If you think that it's easy to come into, you know, the money or the income or whatever, or the levels, you're having a laugh, right? Yeah, right? you're
1: going to find it pretty quick. That's not actually the case. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let me ask you this. Obviously, with your background, I always like to ask about something you failed at, but looking back, there's always lessons in it. So can you think of a situation that something you failed at, but now looking back, there was a lesson in it for you?
0: Okay, I have a great story for you on this one. We'll all get to have a good laugh at Jill. So this is not only a fail moment, but this is actually my most embarrassing like mortifying life story. So uh, oh, I, can't, I
1: can't wait. <laughs> this will be in the audio <laughs> clip that we share the show. No, keep going. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So back in the day, you know, I'm a horse girl. I was raised with horses. I was in 4-H. I trained, I showed, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I'm like 16 or 17 years old. And, you know, clearly this is the age in which, you know, young Jill is trying to impress cowboys and, you know, and all this stuff. Right. So I'm at a horse show. I have my horse tied up to the trailer. You know, it's in between classes or whatever, and I've loosened his cinch, right? The cinch being the strap that holds your saddle to your horse. And so I had to run over to something, and I thought, I'll just jump on the horse for this, right? And so I run over, I grab my horse. He's haltered. I don't have his bridle on. puts his head down. He's eating grass. I go to jump on him. I don't remember. Like, I didn't tighten his cinch. My saddle slides, right? not only have I freaked out the horse cause he's just like jumped up.
1: He's what the he heck are you doing to me?
0: Yeah. Like he, he's, like, my head's in the grass. He doesn't even know I'm getting on. Then the saddle slides. Then I jerk the saddle back to try to center myself and he takes off bucking. Cause he's just like, what on earth are you doing to me? Right? So I come off the horse. We're in a camping area, which has, you know, tents, camper trailers, horse trailers and port-a-pots. So I come off this horse and I fly into the side of the port-a-pot you know, my horse takes off or whatever, and then I'm crawling around on the ground. I've hit the side of this porta pot. I'm millhousing it, looking for my glasses because the glasses have come off. But he comes out of the porta pot where he's literally newspaper in hand, like was in there enjoying his morning, you know, reading yeah, the yeah. paper. So thankfully, he was in there because it was the only reason the whole thing didn't, didn't actually tip over, over and sew sewage everywhere. So part one of that story, obviously, the mortification that all of my peers are in the vicinity watching me get bucked off embarrassingly at you know 16 years old into the side of an outhouse right right then the guy walking out of the outhouse and being like well i heard you come and i was pulling up my pants you know and you're just like (laughs) oh this could not you need to get
1: in here that you're banging on the wall that hard
0: (laughs) that's right yeah (laughs) that's so you know this level of mortification you know not the worst. except for a year later i was on the organizing committee for the same horse show and there was a parent in the group they were like we need to make sure of the outline of where we're placing things like porta pots because last year a girl got bucked off and she was quite badly hurt because i actually was pretty badly hurt i hit with my hip right into it, it was, yeah and so we're in the middle of this organizing meeting there's like 20 30 people mostly adults And I just start busting a gut because I think this is the funniest thing in the world that they're bringing this up because it was me and I was embarrassed and I'm awkward. So I'm laughing in this meeting and every single person stared at me in that meeting. And I was like, no, it's okay. It was me. Like I'm the one, it was me. And no one thought it was funny. Right. I quit the committee because I was so embarrassed that I secondly embarrassed myself again to all of the same group of people for the same event twice in two years. So anyways, that's my long, super embarrassing fail story. But the point of my story, yeah
1: what did you learn? So there was obviously a lesson. Yes.
0: I never got on a horse again without checking my cinch. I never got on a horse again without being prepared to get on a horse. Right. You know, having the process and making sure that I followed that process every time before I did something. Don't throw myself into anything. You know i've carried that through for the majority of my life you know embarrassing situation number one right have a process always go through your mental checklist and go through your process so that you don't you know for lack of <laughs> use of the best whatever like go to the shitter on it right like right. like literally <laughs> literally right because if you don't follow your plan if you don't follow your process if you're not you know sticking to that procedure you're basically just flying and willy-nilly into things right and anything can happen and you're not prepared, you know? And then lesson number two, safety isn't funny. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're like, ha ha. Oh yeah. Right. I, and, yeah, you know,
0: Like, yeah, even though it happened to me, you know, first off, like, and you know what, and just a lot of like social lessons, right. Around interacting in a group in that setting, like again, 17 year old Jill in a meeting with a whole bunch of adults laughing at something that she thinks is funny. I learned a lot about how conducting right. myself with different you know, different, different
1: context person. matters. You and your friends yeah. sitting around laughing about something is different than maybe in that context, right? Just yeah. Uh, because yeah, that's a great story. And I love stories, by the way, they'll forget everything about this podcast, but they're gonna remember that story. That story yes. is gonna stick yeah. in my brain, like crazy. Okay, so what do you think is the biggest change that you've made to your business in the last 12 months? So COVID has had, you know, ripple effect in all areas of life. And so I'm curious, what's the biggest change you've made to your business?
0: You know, honestly, hiring an amazing assistant.
1: Okay, how did you know you needed to hire
0: I got to the end of last year and I was, you know, physically, mentally exhausted from working. And I had really put myself on the back burner to a lot of that health wise, exercise wise, just all of that kind of stuff, which I mean, a lot of that, I think, is part of COVID. We just we had nothing else to do. So you just sat and worked for an entire year straight. Right. But, you know, when I really kind of thought about it and I recognized that doing that many deals in a year was the maximum level of my personal ability without actually putting myself in a grave, like that it was the most amount of hours that I could possibly work and still retain friendships with people and a marriage, you know? So, and then knowing that if I ever wanted to do more than that, like that's the cap, that's how much you get to. And if you ever want to do more than this, you need help, right? right? So recognizing that point of bringing in someone to help. And yeah, so, and like I said, you know, earlier bringing that person in means, you know, we're basically almost at all of last year's same number of files here, you know, in the first six months of this year, which 100% would not have been possible, like even having her on board, you know, I'm still working long days. And there are still some files or some clients where I have referred them out or have felt like I'm dropping the ball on them. If I'm doing a pre approval for someone, it's a 24 hour turnaround. And if I'm hitting at 48 hours, you know, right now on those, like, I feel like I'm failing that client from my service standards. So, you know, I probably would have lost more business, you know, and kind of wrecked that reputation a little bit too, right? Without having brought her on. So,
1: right. Okay. Awesome. And so have you figured out like when the next team member is, or where's the goal from here?
0: I honestly don't know. You had said something sort of interesting earlier, where you said like, if you want to do 200 files a year, you'll be doing it. And I think that's kind of the big question, right? You get to a stage, like, you know, I won't lie, like burnout's real, right? We get to a point where you close 20 files in a month or whatever, and your phone rings and you're literally like, could someone just go a day without phoning me? Like you do get to that point where you're just like, is this worth it? Is this level of business worth it? Is this money worth it? What is that reasonable level, right? Like, how much can I offload to staff to having assistance or whatever that keeps me sane where we can make more money and we do it together? Or is it better to just? keep your business at a level that earns you a reasonable income and you're happy, you know, and everything like that. Like what's the stress? And there's no right answer
1: to that question, by the way. No, there really isn't. And,
0: And the tough part for me, you know, everybody has different goals when they come into this business, right? Everybody wants different things. Some people want to do one deal a month, supplemental income or whatever for the family holiday money or whatever, you know, and some people are the main breadwinners in the family. Some people want to drive a Maserati. Like everybody has different expectations what they get out of this. The tough part for me is there's no cap to me, right. You know, my drive comes from wanting to see just how much I can do before it's too much, right? Right. And every time I think that I'm exhausted or I think that it's too much or I get to that point, there's a couple days and then I chill out, I take a deep breath, and then I'm like, let's do it. Let's do more. Let's do even let's more. See, yeah, and then I the you know and I'm right, prospecting right. more and I go out there for it, right? So, I haven't yet hit the mark where I feel like it's too much for me. So I just, I don't know. I just keep going. Right.
1: Just make that decision when you get there. And um, I
0: think it's being addicted to personal success. Right. And it's not about the money or it's not about the number of files or the award. I like getting the president's club badge. I like really? that. Right. But it's not really about that. And I think one thing for me too is I just spend a lot of time in my career being a backbench burner, right. To other players And a lot of my career, you know, with like I say, with other positions being belittled, you know, you're looking after the finances on a $50 million, you know, pipeline expansion project or whatever. And you go to the meeting and they ask you to bring the coffee, you know, because you're the woman. So a lot of my career, I was that person. And so coming into this where this is, you know, it's the Jill show, my whole thing is my show, right? And I can do as much as I want. It's pretty hard to think about dialing it back.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing new mortgage brokers today?
0: Training and lack of support from um, brokerages. I think there's a lot of new agents that come into this. There's a lot of brokerages that take on new agents that don't offer any mentorship, any training, any file review, any support. If you're a broker and you're taking on a team, your team should not have to go to the newbie group or ILMB. Those are great resources to go to, but they should not need to be going there to get answers because they can't get an appointment time or a phone call or whatever from the team that they're under. Right. Right. And I got some pretty strong feelings about that one. I don't know if we need to delve into that too much. Your podcast will be R rated if we do that,
1: right?
0: (laughs) but that's by far, I think obviously, you know, being an admin on that Facebook group, I get a lot of messages from people and the stuff that I hear over and over and over and over again is you know, comments like, I've asked my broker or I asked my mentor, my principal broker, my broker owner, or whatever. It's been two weeks, I haven't gotten a response. I had to make yeah, an appointment. Crazy. My earliest appointment time is next week on Monday, but I don't know what I need to know to get ready for that appointment. And it's like, if you're joining into a brokerage, like you should be getting that support and training. You shouldn't need to make an appointment two weeks from now to get answers to a question. That your clients want an answer to
1: today right right yeah i agree i think it's broke and where you get your license they don't train you in how to do mortgages it's sort of like you can't learn how to drive a car from a book you can't learn how to cut hair from a book you can't learn mortgages from a book unfortunately you have to actually do them i believe and even reading broker kits and stuff i think is helpful but at least the way my brain works it doesn't stick until there's a file attached when there's a file attached to it you will remember the detail a level you couldn't imagine because there's a paycheck and there's a family and there's all these things versus just information that you can feel overwhelmed with and you won't pick up the nuance like you will with files. And so I think you're right. The mentorship, I mean, I've often said best model would be like an apprenticeship model, similar to how, you know, every other trade is because you're helping people with the largest financial transaction of their life. We don't have an apprenticeship model. It's like literally, you know, a thousand bucks, boom, anybody can become a mortgage broker and yet most of them aren't equipped to properly help people. I would totally agree with that. Okay, so I'll ask some rapid fire questions now. What's one thing that people can't find out about you from Google?
0: Well, right now they can't even find my Google page on Google because I moved and the Google won't even take my address. So you can't even find my business on Google today. But you know what? Probably that I'm quite artistic and pretty crafty and pretty handy. I can build things, woodwork, you know, paint, that yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. You got that other side too. And then what's one movie that everyone should watch at least once?
0: Okay, so I'm a huge, like... Bad movie fan, and like my husband and I, we really love horror flicks. Just the worse the movie is, the better. So, right now on the top of this, and we're talking stuff like zombievers, like just terrible movies. The <laughs> right now on the top of this list is a movie that you can only find on YouTube this movie so bad that you can't find this anywhere else. You can watch it on YouTube and it is called Pastor. And this is the story of a pastor who turns into a dinosaur and kills people. It's, (laughs) The Velocity. best thing
1: I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these movie concepts. Even I was thinking we saw a snake yesterday, walking a rattlesnake, and I thought of that movie, Snakes on a Train or Plane rather. <laughs> and you're like, who comes up with these movie ideas? A velocipaster. That's another level of crazy. I
0: also, as a priest dinosaur, he has to fight an ancient ninja tribe. It's everything you could ever need in a bad, you know, high school produced movie with terrible dinosaur costumes and ninja fight scenes it's just the best thing i've probably (laughs) ever watched
1: okay i'm going to put that on my list okay what's one (laughs) software program or digital tool you use your business you can't run without
0: fox at pdf good pdf program i'm totally paperless office so if i didn't have a good pdf program like i'm dead
1: and what's one book you recommend for our listeners
0: i think everyone in the world should read harry potter (sighs) that's not the answer that you were like you were wanting some inspirational yeah like,
1: so business like, themed book. Tony Robbins does yeah, your, no. like my, I don't, actually my, you my, know what? my I don't girls know, right now, like I don't read
0: any of that kind of stuff I don't read any of the inspirational like I'm you not know, you know why I um, think it
1: is it's cuz you're a doer like a lot of times if you're a doer you're like I don't got time for that I had a friend from Edmonton who was a very successful real estate agent he did like 750 grand in commission And he comes to me one day, is you ever heard of these things called TED Talks? I'm like, dude, like, where have you been? Like you're literally living under a rock. Didn't matter. Like he was fantastic at the, you know, just do-do-do. And so I think that's probably why. Okay, so elevator question So if you're in an elevator and you got your ideal client, you have 30 seconds to explain what you do. What do you say?
0: I'm not a 30-second person.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, the elevator's broken then. Okay. The the elevator breaks. And so we're going to talk. You know what?
0: Most of the time, (laughs) I'll just say, like, oh yeah, I'm a mortgage broker. And then the conversation inevitably goes into everything other than what I actually do. It goes into interest rates. Everyone wants to know where interest rates are going and all that kind of stuff. I don't do the elevator pitch. I've gone to a couple of BNI meetings. Again, structured things that I can't handle myself. I'll never be a BNIer because I can't do it. Elevator pitches, can't do it. I'm a humor person. So if somebody was to ask me right now, what do you do for a living? My answer is going to be, oh, I give away other people's money and they pay me to do it.
1: Right. That's a great answer, actually, because it creates a conversation. All right. So DeLorean question, if we could put you in a DeLorean and send you back three years to when you first started the mortgage business and you could give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
0: Don't waste that first six months, you know, get into it a little bit faster, like throw yourself into it a little bit faster. You will never know it all. You know, I think there was a mentality for a period of time where I was like, oh, I'm going to learn a lot and then I'm going to know it and then I'm going to do it. It's like, no, like it always changes anyway.
1: but it, you like, need even the files you to learn it, to do
0: they, it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think I wasted a bit of time doing that. Something that I need to tell myself on a daily basis is make more time for my health and myself. Get out for more runs. Get out for more walks. After 7 o'clock at night, you don't need to answer those calls, right? Like, mm-hmm. take that time and use that time. And for
1: watch themselves. some bad movies. Yeah, yeah
0: watch a some horrible movies. I can't wait till people listening to this podcast, go and watch the loss of pastor. And then the messages or the emails that I'm going to get after, where they're just like, what kind of person are you that you think this,
1: it, this is a good that movie. That's should watch That's this so funny.
0: Um, making time for yourself. I think is a really big piece that if I look back over the last three years, definitely something that I haven't done. So I need to do a better job of for sure.
1: Okay, Jill, this has been a lot of fun. Where can people <laughs> find you online?
0: JillMulleringMortgages.com, Facebook, Instagram. I don't even know what my Instagram handle is probably Jill Mallory mortgages. I just post things on it. I don't, you know, right. uh, you. same deal on Facebook and for brokers, you know, obviously you guys can friend request me. I probably have a outstanding friend request list. That's like, you know, a hundred people deep right now. Cause I just don't have time to go through and like
1: figure out. Who and make sure are. they're actually real people, uh, not weirdos. Cause I get some of yeah. those like every day. There's a couple weirdos that message me and I'm like, no decline. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. you know what? And I've had a few interesting scenarios. And again, as a woman, I can't just accept everybody, right? Yeah. You got to kind of be a little bit more picky and choosy about who you're kind of screening because sometimes that gets a little bit hairy on there. And I hang out a lot on B. I, Yeah. Again, all of the time that I spend on those two platforms probably should be the time that I spend not like going for a run. So.
1: Right. Well, hey, Jill, it's been great to chat with you. <laughs> Thanks so much for the conversation. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again at some point and check to see how you're doing. Sounds good.